Hi, I'm Jason Marcos. And I'm Barry Hamaguchi. This is Flop Redeemer, the weekly podcast where we discuss the stories behind our favorite pop flops and why you should give these songs a second chance. In 2001, the movie Glitter left audiences shocked and awed, but for all the wrong reasons. This week, in anticipation over the release of Mariah Carey's upcoming Rarities album, we're taking a brief sidestep into the prestigious world of cinema and talking about glitter. <laughs> Love it. All right. So we're talking about the movie Glitter today. We're taking a little step away from our musical interests to, as you said, go into the fine art of cinema. Um, you know, this was this was precipitated a little bit by Mariah's 30th year in the music industry, right? It's a, yeah. um, it's a fantastic feat, especially considering that she says she's only 12 years old. Yeah. So I was shocked. Far, far from within the womb. Before she was in the womb, she was making hits. <laughs> Mariah, but the original, the original unborn. Yes. She's uh really eventized this 30th year of hers in the music industry. She's releasing like a biography. She released kind of like the unreleased uh, kind of like workshop performances that she mm. was doing when she was shopping herself around right in 1990 not when she was shopping herself around but when like her label was like debuting her for the yeah. first time right? yeah like her artist showcase yeah 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 that and um and it's culminating well maybe it's culminating maybe there's more but she announced the upcoming release her of her rarities album which are you excited about that i am i mean well it's it. <laughs> It's interesting. You know, I was thinking about this, that like, you know, uh, you know, Mariah and I go way back. Like I've loved yeah. her for so long. But what's really interesting is the first album that I was ever able to, I, I talked about Unplugged and then I, I had um, Music Box. And so while I am familiar with all of the hits from the prior two albums, Mariah Carey and Emotions, mm-hmm. I don't really know the albums, right? And mm-hmm. so... So even now when I go through and I listen to like Mariah Carey or I listen to emotions, I'm like, what is the rest of this stuff on this album? So part of me, there's a part of me that's a little like, am I going to like the stuff that's on the rarities? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, like I, I, it's like, I like my Mariah stuff that I heard that I had a thing with. I mean, everything fades away is on this um, album. And that's the one that I famously bought off of eBay. You didn't need to get that CD off of eBay. It's going to be available for streaming very, very shortly. <laughs> I'm so, I'm like, wow, like that's crazy. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's so I am excited about that. Like, I think I'm excited. Just that gives me hope. Right. Because I'm like, OK, that's a deep cut off of an album. Well, not even off of an album, but of a period that I loved. So there are chances that I will really like it. Have you heard the new the, the latest track that she came out that with. Irene Cara song yeah, that she covered. Yeah. yeah. Do you like that? Um, it's okay. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I am less, I am less lamely mm. affiliated than you perhaps. And I feel like even you are maybe 75% yeah, of the way yeah. into the lamely, right? Like yeah. we were talking about this, like we were pretty young when these original albums came out we maybe only ever heard the singles mm-hmm. or the B sides like uh, everything fades away. Mm-hmm. Everything fades away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and for me, you know, I was just that alternative kid 
growing up. So really my familiarity with Mariah Carey really is only like her radio singles and mm-hmm. the things that we heard at like high school dances. Yeah. Which I feel like at the time, like I would just roll my eyes at, but admittedly, like they were all very good pop songs. Oh bitch, I, I think- knew, I, I knew who you were. I, I, <laughs> I knew your type because I used to get that in high school and I had to kind of hide my shame. We would just like migrate off the dance floor. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, for me as like, I I think despite being like, you know, the alternative kid or whatever, like I've always had this interest in like pop culture stuff. Mm -hmm. I was listening to alternative radio, but also reading Seventeen magazine. I was reading YM magazine. If oh my god, YM, yeah, right. Stories, the stories that they were the embarrassing stories. That the girls would write. Oh in. God! About like removing, trying to remove it, or some some guy remo- removing your tampon at yeah. the pool. Yeah, the girl yeah, was yeah, like yeah, she yeah. had her string of her tampon hanging out of her swimsuit, and some guy was like, "Oh, you've got a thread," and he like yanked it out. <laughs> that had to be fake. Like, what teenage boy is gonna go pull a thread out of like some girl's like swimsuit crotch? Yeah, I, I, I feel never. like they were they were highly edited. But you know, like being a closeted teen, it was like, ooh, high school boys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was like, they live such exciting lives, these girls. Yeah. So that's where, I mean, that's always been where my fascination with Mariah really comes from. And I think that's reflected in the way that I tell a lot of these stories about pop music is really more through the lens of like the pop cultural events that mm-hmm. kind of spring out of them. And I mean, my excitement over the Rarities album really comes from um, the revelation that the track listing includes Loverboy the Firecracker original version. And this is something that we'll get to in the main episode when we talk about the Glitter soundtrack more and kind of this, the second and third act of Mariah Carey's musical career in the main episode. But that to me was like, oh, I have wanted to hear that for so, so long. I told you, I was like, I, I, using my remedial audio editing skills i was like trying to mix together the original sample with this this lover boy song because it, it's been the subject of pop culture mystery like what happened to the original version of this song and why can't we hear it and and now we can or we soon we will be able to on october 2nd um <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm excited. I'm excited. You, you know, it's funny you talk about that. It's like Loverboy is never my favorite song, but um, I am interested in hearing all of this because it's this. so much drama. It's so yeah, much drama. Revisiting this. So um, what we discovered this week in talking about rarities and this Mariah Carey 30th anniversary is that neither of us had seen Glitter, the movie Glitter in its entirety. I hadn't seen it at all. I had Not seen bits clips. and pieces of it. I found it when I first tried to watch it almost completely unwatchable. Like I could not sit through the first 30 minutes. Um, I don't know if that opinion has changed. This this might be a flop that does not get redeemed. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, the irony is this is the flop that precipitated Flop Redeemer. I mean, yes. it was the Justice yes. for Glitter movement. <laughs> Yeah, and that's why I think it's fitting for us to dedicate an entire episode just to Glitter. And um, next week we'll be following this up with a breakdown of some of Mariah Carey's uh, later days flops. Latter days. Because this, 
Latter days, later days, I don't know. This is because this is the this is the turning point in Mariah Carey's career, I think, where suddenly you're not so sure about what's gonna come out from Mariah Carey. <laughs> in the nineties it was solidly like Mariah Carey's coming out with a new single, you knew it was gonna be a hit. After this happens, after this movie and this soundtrack come out, you, you just don't know about Mariah Carey anymore. Yeah. She is, you know, I'm I'm heavy into figure skating right now. Or in general, but right now because figure skating season is ramping up. But you know, there's a there's a point in every figure skater's career where they get a growth spurt and they're no longer able to consistently land their jumps. You, and then you get that anxiety, like you're like, oh shit, is Michelle Kwan gonna land, you know, her triple let's triple toe? And like, you know, 50% of the time she doesn't after she grew like four inches right mm. and this is this is that era for mariah carey she grew four inches in heels um <laughs> and then she got on her stairmaster <laughs> and then and then the hits just became a little bit irregular for her um so so today we're going to be taking a look at the movie glitter and sharing our reactions to it and yeah, we'll 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 see we'll see how this shapes up. I'm curious to see because I need to post this episode this week. Anyway, <laughs> let's take a quick break and when we come back, we'll just jump right into it. Okay. So glitter is a 2001 American romantic musical drama film huh. starring Mariah Carey and rapper DeBrat, written by Kate Lanier and directed by Vondi Curtis Hall. Set in 1983, Carey plays Billy Frank, an aspiring singer who, along with her friends Louise, played by DeBrat, and Roxanne, played by Tia Texada, is a club dancer. Timothy Walker, played by Terrence Howard, offers them a contract as backup singers slash dancers to another singer. In the premiere of the song they recorded, Billy meets Julian Dice Black, played by Max Beasley, who is a DJ in a nightclub, and he helps her solo career. In the process, Billy and Dice fall in love with each other. So that's the premise okay. for Glitter. Off the top, my main problem with that description is 2001 American Romantic Musical Drama Film. I can see 2001 <laughs> reflected in that. I can see American. Um, I can see film. Film. It's definitely a film. Uh, romantic musical drama. I mean, maybe. It's got music in it. I wouldn't call it a musical. Mm -hmm. um, romantic. I mean, I'll say this straight away that M Mariah Carey and Max Beasley have the chemistry of, you know, a damp tea bag and... <laughs> <laughs> and the plate that it's sitting on yeah it, it's it's just not there uh drama i that we'll get into it but that's one of my main problems with this movie is <laughs> perhaps there is actually no drama in this movie at all i like I'll, i have i have a big note here like as the movie begins it just says wow in quotes because <laughs> Yeah, I have never seen this movie before, and I was like, wow, wow, this is, like, even from the jump, I was like, oh, wow. Like, Yeah. So in the opening, right, we're getting young Billy Frank 
who eventually becomes Mariah Carey. She's like sitting in a bar with uh, like a low ball glass of milk, presumably. I was wondering if it was milk. I was like, oh God, did they give her milk? Cause she's in a bar. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's a kid at a bar and um, her mother, Lillian Frank comes out to sing at this very vintagey old timey microphone and it has shades of like when Jennifer Hudson in Dreamgirls does her her first live performance of um, One Night Only. I think that they did that scene in that movie where she's doing this 60s era, late 60s, early 70s resurgence. And she comes out onto this like smoky bar and sings into a vintage microphone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, Lillian, Lillian Frank obviously has problems. She's, she's a dranker. She has to stop in the middle and uh, uh, little Billy Frank, she called little Billy Frank up to the stage to finish the song for her so that she can continue while uh, continuing to sip on her beverage. You know, she's, she's got a little low ball glass of probably whiskey. Um, So very, very dramatic opening, right? Like there's a lot of stuff set up in this beginning that I thought was like, okay, this is the drama that's setting up this movie because her mother is an aspiring singer with a drinking problem. Um, it's revealed in the opening that I can't tell if she actually gets fired from the bar or if well, it's a story that she concocts to get money, get money out of um, Billy's father. This is a problem with the movie in general. Like there are scene after scene after scene and you're like, wait, so was that real? Did that happen? Like you, yeah. there's no connecting thread. So the official plots are the, the, the plot summary says that Lillian tries to rouse the crowd with her torch song, Lily's Blues, with her daughter, Billy Frank, accompanying her on vocals. But the plot fails and Lillian is fired. So Okay, I did not, I did not absorb that plot. I thought she was lying to the man when she goes and begs for money from yeah, Billy, right? whoever I she was, was Billy's father, I guess. I thought she was lying because they set that scene up with Lillian being like, okay, remember what I told you to say, right? Or remember yeah. what I told you to do. So I thought, oh, like this is just some kind of ploy. Like, yeah. And she goes, she tells, um, so Billy, Billy is biracial. Her father is white. Her father is apparently not a part of her life. Apparently wants nothing to do with her, right? There's mm-hmm. sh- there's a little bit of shades of like Kim Cattrall as Britney Spears' mother in the Crossroads movie, <laughs> right? Where for whatever reason, um, uh, Billy has no relationship with her father except that um, her mother is in money trouble, and so they they go to him. He won't even let them in the house. He barely opens the door for them and gives them money to get them to basically go away. Well, right. in the in the age old movie tradition where someone knocks on a door and instantly the door opens, <laughs> He's been and I'm always like, I'm always like, is, has they have they been waiting there this whole time? Like every time someone knocks on a door, I always am like, how long is it going to take? Because like, there's no time. I would never. I'm just like, <laughs> who the fuck is knocking on my door? It's like every time anybody. there's a movie. It's like every time there's a movie where someone needs to go to like a restaurant and they pull up to a parking space that's right in front. I'm <laughs> like, when does that happen? <laughs> where is the 30 minute scene of them just circling the block? <laughs> so, so Lil, uh, what is it? The the ex is is mad, and of course he has like hundreds of dollars in his pocket, or like yeah, just just on wads him. of cash. This is how you know, like he he is a white man because he's wealthy. Or whatever. And so he gives her money. Lillian feels defeated at home. 
She lights a cigarette, accidentally falls asleep with it, and starts a fire, which causes the building to be evacuated. And then due to this, Billy is taken by child services to a foster home. And one of the things I was very concerned, I I was not concerned for this house burning down. I was very concerned because Billy goes to sleep petting a tiny kitten and the house catches on fire. And I was like, what happened to the cat? And um, so you must have been very relieved when I was. the cat makes an appearance in the next scene. Not only does the cat make an appearance in the next scene, they take the cat into foster care with her. She goes into a group yeah. home with a cat. And they're like, I was like oh, do they, do, I was they like, do that? No. No, it was they very, do not. I mean, the cat's very important. The cat reappears later I have in a, a note. similar kind of home moving scene. But. <laughs> oh, my God. That's right. The, oh, my God. I didn't tie it together. I was like. Wait, the I was cat's like, alive? I was like, she's still carrying this cat around? I mean, keep in mind, like, the events from this prologue to the film and then the main events of the film, it's what? Maybe, like, it's supposed to be, like, 10 years. It's, it, yeah. It's, it's, it's a little it's unclear. It's really weird. The pacing is very strange because she, she goes into this foster care. She meets these two girls. The two girls are like, look, it's a new girl. And they go over to see her. And I'm expecting, like, every other movie that they're going to be mean to her. Oh, Same. But but you're they, waiting for that yeah. tension yeah. to kind of pay off with conflict, and it yeah. never does because of the cat. Because they're both like, "Can we pet your cat?" And it's I was like, like "Are you are they Puerto Rican? <laughs> are you Puerto Rican? Like all threatening?" I know. Are you Puerto Rican? She's like, no. she's like, <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm mixed. mixed. <laughs> and, and it's like, it, oh, okay, cool. Can we pet your cat? Yeah, the and then cute. and then and then cut to like a quick sloppy montage of just photos. Yeah, that are so random that are supposed to depict the passage of time. That joyous time in your life when you were thrust into foster care. I was like, what dream world did Billy Frank get? I mean, congratulations to her apparently for having this amazing life in foster care. But I was like, I thought for sure that this was going to be more explicitly a source of conflict. Like I think that there's underpinnings to this idea that the separation from her mother is an issue that she's trying to work through throughout the film. Mm -hmm. But all these opportunities for conflict, her house burning down um, for whatever reason, she's not sent to live with her father. I don't know why instead she's sent to child protective services and put into a group home and yeah, cut to montage of, happy pictures with her and her two new best friends. Yeah. Um, one of which I immediately clocked as the brat because I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, they put that girl in, they, they put a bandana around that girl's head when she's a kid. That's, that's the brat. I turned to Davey and I was like, I was like fully, they only did that because that's the brat. <laughs> did you also, did you also notice? So, you know, when in the, in the very opening scene where Lillian needs help singing her song. So she brings Billy up and it's, you know, it's this child actress who looks, I guess, like a young Mariah Carey. Um, when she opens her mouth to sing, it is a like pitched up version of Mariah's own voice. I wondered about that because I was like, okay, what is this voice that's coming out of her? Because it it sounds amazing. It sounds like Mariah, but it also sounds just strangely like chip like, like, yeah, like chip like Alvin and the chipmunks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was like, good God. Like this like no. Like she should she should sound good, but she shouldn't sound as good as she's gonna be. Like wait, you mean she was birthed from the womb like 
she sprang forth with this voice. Like, it's yeah, just absolutely. Weird. You're, born, you're born with it, Jason. It's Maybelline. So years later, in 1983, the adult Billy is a club dancer, along with her foster care friends, Louise and Roxanne. They meet Timothy Walker, played by uh, Terrence, Terrence Howard. Howard, who offers a contract as backup singers and dancers to the singer Silk, and the three are contracted. Now, Padma Silk, Lakshmi. Yes. Yes. My goodness. I had forgotten, and I remember it reminded me that I guess Padma at one point like posted the the clip of her in the um in the recording booth because the, the <laughs> gag the gag is that Padma like is a terrible, terrible singer. Yeah. She's she is the she's like the she's like the sexy girlfriend of Terrence Howard, and he is trying to make her into a recording star, but yeah. she cannot sing. No. No, no. Later, at a nightclub hosted by Julian Dice Black, Silk debuts the song All My Life. Dice discovers that Billy is the real singer of the song as a means to cover up Silk's abysmal singing ability. Impressed, he wishes to produce her, but Billy raises concerns about her contract with Timothy, and he eventually agrees on the provision that Dice pays him $100,000. A hundred large. Which... I have here in my note, 30 mm-hmm. minutes in, she's signed. She has no interior life. Like, I know nothing about Billy. Like, yeah. everything is just happening around. It doesn't quite make sense. She's she's like, she's kind of trying to be street smart. But like, you're like, where does this come from? Like, there yeah. are never any conversations that she has outside of when men talk to her. I mean, similarly, I was like, she is, she is a little guarded. She is seemingly lacking confidence about her voice, mm-hmm. how good her voice is. She's lacking confidence about her ability to kind of carry her voice to stardom. Right. Like she's very reluctant to, yeah, move away from being this backing singer but yeah again we're not given well what led to this we saw her in this foster home immediately making lifelong friends yeah and we flash forward to her dancing in a club and it's funny because they're picked up as this this backing singing group it seems almost entirely just off of them dancing on top of boxes yeah, at a club. Yeah, because they weren't singing the guy's at like, all. The guy's like, can you sing? And they're like, oh, yeah, we can sing. And he's like, okay, great. You're part of the group. <laughs> well, but, it, but but then Billy's like, no, you know, we're busy. Yeah, so so she simultaneously has this like confidence about like, no, we're going to do our own thing. She doesn't seem to want to take up these opportunities. Um, but clearly, like, people are recognizing her talent. I mean, also clearly they're in the recording booth with Silk. Silk can't sing. Terrence Howard is like, Oh, Billy, like sing, sing Silk's part. Like, you know, as part of the background. So Mariah is like singing into the background microphones while Silk is there. And Terrence Howard is just like, okay, turn up, turn up Billy's vocals, turn it up all the way. Okay. Turn Silk all the way down. And so in the end, it's like, everyone's in on it. Everyone knows that Padma Lakshmi's character is not singing, that it's fully 100% Mariah Carey's vocals. Um, Which, by the way, 
when I was watching this, given what we know about the glitter lover boy era, the Mariah Carey Jennifer Lopez rivalry and relationship, um, I kind and and the era that this was being produced, like this was like September two thousand when they were filming this. Jennifer Lopez had already made her debut. Um, Mariah Carey in the 2000s was making all kinds of shady comments towards Jennifer Lopez, right? There was this, like, I'll speak factually, but um, (laughs) (laughs) Mariah Carey is, they were talking to Mariah Carey at one point about how um, Jennifer Lopez um, gets eight hours of sleep every night. Like she can't get by without eight hours of sleep good a good eight hours of sleep and mariah carey was like well that that's that's great i wish i could get eight eight hours of sleep every night maybe i could if i if i didn't sing my own vocals (laughs) you know and it and it stoked the flames of i mean you know conspiracy theories allegations rumors etc that for a lot of that early jennifer lopez output that she was ghost singing or that her vocals were blended with other vocalists tracks, Mm -hmm. you know, I think, I think that that rumor actually plays out. If you listen to those early Jennifer Lopez recordings, I, I don't know the exact nature of what happened, but if you listen to Jennifer Lopez's debut album and her second album fully like core entire choruses that Jennifer Lopez is mouthing off in the music videos, it's Mm -hmm. not her voice. It's clearly not her voice. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. But I wonder how much that was known at the time in the music industry that this was going on and how much this is a little bit of a dig, you know? Yeah. It's funny. I did a little bit of research on on um, Kate Lanier, who wrote the screenplay. Um, and, you know, in an interview, I guess it came out that like, this was Mariah's concept and Kate Lanier like came in and they, they collaborated on it. But what ended up happening was a lot of, they kind of spitballed and sort of, Oh yeah. You know, and Mariah, yeah. Right. And, and, and a lot of it was like improvised, which, which improvised. kind of makes, which kind of makes sense. Cause you're like, I don't understand how this came together. Now, Kate Lanier, I was like, did this woman ever work again? Right. I was like, what, mm-hmm. what happened? Because it's t- terrible. She actually wrote the screenplay for what's love got to do with it. Mm-hmm. the Tina Turner biopic. She also wrote the screenplay for Set It Off with Queen Latifah, Jada Pinkett Smith, um, Vivica A. Fox, mm-hmm. all of them. Then after this movie, she wrote Beauty Shop with Queen Latifah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, I mean, she's fine. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, she's... No, she's, you know, she has a... She, she has, has the chops. She obviously has a sense of traditional storytelling that somehow did not translate into this movie. And I wonder, I mean, when you're when you're trying to adapt the vision of someone who maybe does not have a traditional storytelling background, mm-hmm. someone like a Mariah Carey, and you're also dealing with someone who has the star power of Mariah Carey, but also her reputation for like being very involved wanting to have a a real true hand in everything that she's doing. If that proved to be a challenge that could not be overcome to save this movie. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the next, 
the next set of events kind of like exemplify that point. So, so Billy goes to work with Dice. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that they had a contract with Terrence Howard's character, like why he was asking for a hundred thousand dollars. I was like, wait, yeah, that's never actually deal? established in the movie. Yeah, what was what was like what was he owed? Was it just because Silk was no longer going to perform? But I mean, I think what I took away actually was that. Um, I took I I I looked at Silk and her backing singers as kind of like a Vanity Six type of group, yeah. like mm-hmm. Prince being Prince as kind of like the Terrence Howard character, mm-hmm. and then um, Padma Lakshmi being Vanity, and then Vanity Six always had like backing singers that you didn't really know who they were, but they appeared in like the videos and the album art and whatnot, so. Yeah, like you would assume that there was some kind of agreement made with yeah. those people that appeared in the promo. Yeah, but a hundred thousand dollars in nineteen eighty-three, and also like, there's no, there's no scene that reinforces that fact. No, like we're no, left no. to we're left to assume that this all happened. Exactly, exactly. And then so so Billy and Dice start working on songs. Ultimately, they sign with Guy Richardson of a major record label. And so so just to set this up, they have this song "All My Life." You know, with Mariah's vocals that originally had been tried to be passed off as as Padma Lakshmi's Silk Silk's vocals. And I guess they're still just playing this song in the club because this is the only song that we know that Billy has that features her vocals. Because like now that she's working with Dice, uh, there's not a new song. No, No, they do record a different song. Do they? This is what's so confusing because I'm like. But they, but now they sign with Guy Richardson of a major record label, which is fine. I understand that you don't have to have a song, a record label. No, 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 no. But like, what, what was she the other does? Song? She re- she records. There's a there's an interstitial scene where she re-records um, the uh, DJ Save My Life. Uh, 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 uh. Or no, 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 no. Sorry. Uh, no, no, no. It's uh, that didn't mean to turn oh, you oh, oh. on. They oh. they re-record that song in the in the in the interim okay. he makes the deal he makes the deal dice makes the deal with terrence howard to ostensibly buy mariah carey out of her contract as well as debrat and uh yeah, roxanne and, uh, roxanne and they go into the studio and it i mean i don't blame you for missing it because it happens in like a musical montage it's a musical montage that's meant to re- i think represent her rise within the club scene in new york mm. that they they re-record this didn't mean to turn you on song and yeah. then it just cuts between a bunch of like increasingly spectacular perform live performances of the song at dice's club oh. where mariah carey's hair is just getting smoother and smoother oh, and, oh my and god i was like i was like her okay it's supposed to be 19, 1983 her hair is like it was on her fantasy world tour or uh the um yeah Right, I was like, "Wait, this is 1996 Mariah hair. Like, what's happening? Like, I don't. Yeah, like, no. Th- yeah. And this is one of the things that I had a really hard time with in the movie in general is that aside from the little um, Chiron or whatever that shows up at the beginning of the modern day part of the movie that says mm-hmm. 1983, I would have had no idea yeah. that this movie took place in 1983. The production design is terrible. Like, it, it's there's no way. Where are the short bangs and the terrible perms? Where are the, the crimp, short bangs? Yeah, and the terrible all of the perms? crimping, the crimped hair, the the acid wash jean denim, 
the you know that sort of thing yeah um there were like a few outfits where i was like oh they were trying to get at some of the like early 80s fashion trends but i don't think that at this point in time when this movie was made that we had yet perfected our re-envisioning of the 80s in the way that like stranger things Mm -hmm. and movies like or shows and movies like that had really we, I mean, I think we had enough distance from maybe the early '80s to take a real critical look at like mm. what was what was the fashion looking like, what was people's makeup looking like, what what did women's eyebrows look like in the yeah you know in yeah the I was like 80s. these are too thin. It was it was really <laughs> interesting because so I I had read online like it was like this this was kind of ahead of its time and that no one was nostalgic for the '80s in 2001. Yeah. Right. Like that just wasn't it. Like if this had came come out now where, you know, where now there's like a eighties, early nineties, you know, or not now, maybe five years ago or something like that. Like um, when it's that, like to your point about the distance, mm-hmm. you know, you could do it, but it was like, it, it was, it was too soon and like too soon. And yeah, that wasn't Every- the influences of an- of anything. And it wasn't even like 80s pop. It was like 80s disco that they were redoing. Yeah, because I mean, admittedly, like both of us are too young to yeah. actually remember this. Like our recollections of this era are mostly through like pictures and stuff like that and old TV. Yeah, or records that our parents had or whatever. But I mean, t- to look at this movie and then know that it's made in the year 2000, I fully would have thought that this movie actually took place in the year 2000. You know, the guy dice wears this sleeveless t-shirt throughout almost the entire movie that I think that that is something that was around in the early eighties, but it was also having a resurgence in the two thousands. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of muddled the vision for it a little bit. Yeah. And I think that like, yeah, like if this movie was made today, one, the sound of this soundtrack would be much fresher, I think, mm-hmm. and not as bizarre as maybe it sounded at the time that this came out. But also, I think that they would have been able to re-envision the styling of it in a much more accurate way. Mm-hmm. Also, I fully think that if they made this movie today, um, Mariah Carey would still want to star in it as a 19-year-old ingenue. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's just it, the thing about this, and the the, it's like there's not enough to tell you what's happening and how big she like between the production design and then just the way the thing comes together. It's like, wait, how successful is she? Like, what's happening? Because mm-hmm. it says, you know, ultimately they signed with Guy Richardson of a major record label. With success in their hands, he asks he Dice asks her up to his apartment, and they have passionate sex. that's a real i mean (laughs) that's a (laughs) that's a big oversimplification of what happens but also that's crazy because it's wild because what actually happened in the movie is also oversimplified because i was shocked that dice finds out that there's these major label executives at his club he goes to the dj gives her a cassette tape oh yeah play this cassette tape they play it you know, it's Mariah or it's Billy's latest single that's been blowing up in the clubs. And as expected, the crowd goes wild hearing it. You see the execs 
like looking over this railing being like oh what is this people are going crazy and dice walks up and is like oh yeah this is my new artist this is billy and billy steps forward fully transformed this is like i think that they were trying to get at some idea that billy had started out as an ugly duckling and transformed in the process of this to this beautiful woman and i think it's kind of laughable that we would have even perceived that that occurred that yeah. when she was wearing her weird hat with the upturned, we, i thought it was a maga uh, hat because <laughs> the front panel is red and has white writing on it oh i mean i remember my i remember my brothers were really into that like we would mm-hmm. get like all the little painters caps and flip mm-hmm. up the flip up the brim yeah 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 um but yeah just that idea that like oh uh was the implication that like Billy was too ugly compared to Padma Lakshmi? Like that was the that was the troubling part to me. Is I was like, what are the stakes here? What's holding her back? And yeah. it's apparently nothing because yeah. these record executives hear her at a club. They see her, see she's this stunningly beautiful woman. They're like, great, come meet us at our offices tomorrow. Cut to Dice and Billy at the record offices. They walk in and it's champagne. Congratulations. And I was yeah. like, wait, was there no negotiate? What it was this? They, is they this- skipped over that whole part. Like I I was I thought they were there to like do the meeting that they had talked about. Yeah, but apparently not, because also notably, the main guy from the previous scene is not in the next scene. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that was intentional or if that was like a scheduling conflict, because they walk in, it's the guy's assistant, and he's like, oh, uh so and so wishes he could have been here but he's out of town but congratulations and there's champagne and it's great and she has a major label recording deal yeah and yeah her life is on the up and up and it never stops well her life is on the up and up and they're obviously like very close her and dice and then i think he he shows up at her how her apartment with a white limo White limo and a single rose. And a single rose. But it's not a date. It's not a date. It's not a date. But but I'm like, wait, are they not already dating? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just like, you know, it was very strange. And then, so they they do the thing. They go up to her, his 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 loft, and, you know, they oh, end up having sex. But what? first of all, can we, can we explain? So Dice makes this deal with Terrence Howard for $100,000, which for whatever reason... He either has no intention of paying him or he just can't pay him. I can't tell. Yeah, yeah, I can't tell. Because um, you have no idea how successful you have no idea anyone what's, is. Yeah, I mean, but Dice has this beautiful loft in New York. I know. Beautiful like, industrial does he loft. Own this club? <laughs> yeah, and um, he takes her to a restaurant where the waiters know him. A restaurant that serves escargot. And for whatever reason, he decides to order escargot for Billy on their first not date. You know what? Wait, wait, wait. Because there's the rose. There's like the the white limo. Is this a pretty woman thing? I think so. I think because there's a couple things throughout this movie where I'm like, Mariah Carey is trying to live her fantasy like a 12-year-old girl trying to like <laughs> using this to like play act at all of the movies that she likes. Because I will talk about the next, the, the, the other big one at the end yeah. where I'm like, Wait a minute! I know what this is because I was oh, like, okay. yeah. So anyway, no, it's They're, it's okay. strange because they were all looking at her at the restaurant, like everyone, and I was like, like when they walk in, like everyone at the tables is like, who is she or whatever, and it's just like, yeah. wait, why? Like, why would all these people? She's getting all of the Julia Roberts pretty woman comeuppance without any of the 
Julia Roberts um, sex worker shaming from the whole first half of <laughs> Pretty yeah. Woman. You know? yeah. But also, but also just like, I don't understand. Like, is it because she's beautiful? Is it because they don't know who she is? Is it because they do know who she is? Like what? I don't understand what the reaction was because like, if if as the movie has set up, she's sort of popular on the club circuit, why would these people in this five star restaurant that serves escargot necessarily know who, know she, who is. she is? Yeah, I, it's I know. Not, I think it's. You know. I think the implication is just that she is this incredibly beautiful woman, and for whatever reason, no one up to this point had ever realized that she was an incredibly beautiful woman. For some reason, that, that is didn't not even register to us. for me. It's because she was mixed. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, I'm just like, what? Like it doesn't make sense to me because, yeah, it makes no sense. So, so well, and then okay, so after dinner, they connect over yeah. marimbas. Oh yeah. Oh, that was so weird to me. I I mean I mean it it adds a little bit of a. I think it's supposed to show you that dice isn't this like sleazy dj that yeah. everyone thinks he is it's, it's okay because he can play the marimbas and i was like you know i was kind of baffled by the casting of this guy in this role um when he first appears on screen i turned to davy and i was like is he supposed to look like her dad is this supposed to be like a daddy right? thing he, I, I was like oh my god then, he kind of looks just like him and then and then he started playing the marimbas and I was like, did they cast this guy? Because it looks like he can actually play Wait, the marimbas. Okay, so I looked. So his name's <laughs> Max Beasley. Is the actor? He <laughs> is an actual jazz musician. He's toured with George Benson. He's toured with, um, uh, what's his name, Jamiroquai. Like he's he's actually done jazz music. So like, okay, you know, later in the movie where he's like having a jazz jam session, like mm-hmm. it's. Uh, I mean, clearly that's. That's one of the reasons they hired him, but like multi instrumentalist. Like, yeah, he's friends with Robbie Williams. According oh, cool. To IMDb. Yeah, so I mean, he's British. They should have gotten. I mean, this would have been a better movie if they had gotten Robbie Williams to play yeah, that role. Yeah, because there's yeah. something like there's something not believable as of, about him as this tough guy, New York City early '80s DJ with a bad reputation. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what I think they were trying to get at, but I was the whole time I was like, this guy is so milk toast, and he plays marimbas, which is great. Well, it's sexy, but whatever. Well, and so so the marimbas lead to sex, uh, as 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 Wikipedia puts it, passionate sex, passionate While, sex as seen through an obscured glass. Oh like, my god, it was the most. But but like here's a weird the thing: eighties textured glass wall piece. <laughs> we never thing, see, really see anything. But what what really bothers me is while this scene is happening, Mariah Carey's song "Lead the Way" is playing in the background, and it is, in my opinion, a beautiful ballad. It is one of her best vocal performances, and she said the same um, of the of of the two thousands of that decade. You know, it was kind. Of, and it comes out of nowhere. I mean, this is a movie about Billy, who has this amazing voice. To this point, she has only recorded dance songs. We haven't actually even seen her write anything. We haven't seen her do anything like that. There's this ballad that's playing while she's having sex. That is clearly her voice. <laughs> but, like, what are we as an audience supposed to understand, like... 
from this moment? Like, did she record this? Like, why is this song playing? Yeah. Having never seen the movie and knowing this song, I assumed it would have like a bigger, like it would be like, you know, she leaves the club circuit and she performs like a, like a cabaret. Because I don't know, I don't know exactly the timeline, but the reason I know this song is because around this time or later, like I think it was after Mariah's sort of breakdown, she appeared on Ally McBeal in like a cam. Mm-hmm. She had like a guest mm-hmm. role as like a singer. And, you know, there was that bar that they would all go to. Yeah. And Vonda Shepard used to, was always the one who was singing. But um, in this episode, Mariah sings and she sings this song called Lead the Way. And it was supposed to kind of be like, don't worry, Mariah's back. She can still sing because this is like after the after the glitter debacle, after the breakdown, after her record labels, her, her virgin like fires her and all of this shit. It's supposed to be like, look, she can really sing. The Mariah you know and love is still here. And so mm-hmm. I knew it mostly from that. And it played a pivotal role in kind of being like, guys, she's cool. It shows up in this movie for no reason with no like, and you're just like, wait, but this is a movie about her. Like from a filmmaking decision, like, yeah, why would you, you put didn't, it here? If you didn't know Mariah Carey, it would seem really weird to suddenly hear Billy's voice so prominently in the soundtrack to the movie while this is happening at this point in the film. Yeah, when she has and, not sung anything like this. Whereas like in that we're all very familiar with who Mariah Carey is, it then seems like the filmmakers were having a hard time extricating Mariah Carey the person from Billy Frank the person. Yeah. You well, know, that they're like yeah. they're thinking that like, oh, it's okay cuz this is a scene where Billy Frank is having sex but we're going to include this musical track by mariah carey as though we would be able to make the differentiation well but so it's what's interesting is it it is it is part of the soundtrack but like you know i had made i've made this comment several times and i continue to make it throughout the course of this movie i'm like there's no like billy has no interior life or like inner monologue. Like we don't know why she does anything that she does. Like yeah. she literally in this movie just reacts to things and things happen to her. And it's like, does she want this? What is she like? She never yeah. articulates what she wants. And so I'm like, is this the inclusion of this song supposed to be her interior monologue? Okay. Right. But like, again, it's not explained. So if I listen to the lyrics of songs, maybe I could have an opinion. Well, on that, it's like, I, the, so that the lead of that song, the first line is, who would have believed that you and me would fall in love together? Oh. Which... I mean, all of us who watched the first <laughs> 20 minutes of this movie. No, no, this no, 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 no. Barry, to be clear, this is now 40 minutes into the movie that this has happened. <laughs> and I was like, how has this been going on for this long? Um, no tension. So, yeah, no tension no. whatsoever. So the song, the first major single 
after she signs. It's called Loverboy, which Barry's going to talk about later. And it's a success, apparently. Like, I think it's on the radio. Like, they're in the taxi and they hear it on the radio. Hear it on the radio. Stop the taxi. Jump out of the taxi. Run to yeah. a payphone. Yeah. Call DeBrat on the phone. Pay- yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just DeBrat so- picks up and they're like, turn on the radio. Turn on the radio. And they're, and they're banging they're on the radio. Dancing. Totally stop traffic. It's fine. Yeah. And B- Billy, strangely, is called to perform at the USA Music Awards. Which apparently is happening like that day or something. And so she has to rush off. And um, uh, uh, where she meets she meets the singer in, in, in dress rehearsal or sorry, sound check. She meets the singer Raphael. Raphael is played by um, Eric Benet. Wait a second. Wait a second. Did we skip over the filming of her music video with Debrat and... Oh, I think we did. I think Can we I talk did. about that though yes. really quick? Work. Yes. Um, that was strange. This is another instance where... Okay, the purpose of this scene, I think, is to show um, Dice's insecurities about his relationship or the beginnings of his insecurities of the relationship with uh, Billy. Yeah. Because he's very concerned about Billy being oversexified, right? Yeah. Because she's in like a, yeah. They have her wrapped in this sheet while she's dancing. And then they ultimately decide, like, just take the sheet off. She's in like a silver two piece bikini. And Dice is not happy about this. There's there's shades of Tommy Mottola to this aspect of the story. But he fully drags her off the set of the music video and production just stops. And I yeah. was like, ooh, conflict. Ooh, drama. Nothing ever comes <sighs> Nothing of that. Nothing happens. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're missing. So, so the director is like some weird, like, is he Russian? I don't understand. Yeah. But he's, he's, Euro- he's quote unquote European. Mm-hmm. And he's like... His quote in this, because I think he's it's supposed to be funny and he's supposed to be sort of saying strange things. But he's like, is she black? Is she white? We don't know. I want to see more of her breasts. <laughs> and you're I was I mean, OK, like, you know, and then and then and then Louise, Louise and um Roxanne, her two her two girlfriends, you know, she, Billy's tried to incorporate them into the music video and they're dancing, but apparently they're not sexy enough, which I don't understand. I mean, like they're doing fine in the video. And he, he says, the director says, get them out of here. I want strippers. So, 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 so they get the boot, right? Because, because Dice tries to be like, no, 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 you can't do that. Like Billy's going to like, these are Billy's friends. And they're like, I don't care. And so he goes to talk to them or someone goes to talk to them. They're, taken off but like we never see that conflict because you just you cut to mariah in the dressing room like what where are they and he's like they're at home they're fine and she's like (laughs) okay well i gotta call them i gotta he's like no no no. we'll finish this we'll talk to them later they cut back to the scene where they're filming the the video and it's not strippers it's like five male shirtless dancers like yeah i don't understand (laughs) what where what it makes no sense. And then, and then yeah. I guess that's it just doesn't, it. it doesn't line up with what they had just been saying in the previous scene. Yeah. And like, it's just, no, it's, it's, just, it's so ridiculous that like, okay. And well, she looks like, so yeah. uncomfortable. Like that's, well, that's the thing. She, the, she, the she funny, has her bare midriff and she's just yeah. barely She's like, moving. oh no, oh no. But it's also, it's the, the irony is, is that this is Mariah Carey, who famously at this time is feeling sexually liberated. 
right? Yeah. Or like, or 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 maybe not sexually liberated, but she's feeling free to express herself as a sexy beast. Mm-hmm. And so the idea, I mean, the very fact that she's like, you know, her character is playing at this like, I don't want to be sexualized. Don't yeah. look at me. And then she's like coerced into it. Yeah. But while fully in a star vehicle for herself is, you know, the thinnest Mariah has ever been um, in a bikini in the middle of a movie trying to play at modesty, which I find I find that irony just so hilarious and, and fantastic. Just it's like, <laughs> don't look at me. But like, you, look yeah, at me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you notice, this is when I noticed also that there's this thing, and I don't know what it's in reference to, Billy starts walking around with a random swath of silver on her. <laughs> I did not. I did like, not. It, it I recurs not. throughout the film. Because at one point I was like, what is that? Oh, oh, she has like silver makeup on, smeared on her shoulder. Oh. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. On, on, her, her on her shoulder. Yeah. It's what is this that? weird... I don't, is it glitter? Is that, is that glitter? <gasps> is it? Well, no. Okay. So, so you know how it was like glitter, right? Glitter is the name of the movie. Yeah. So like in this music video, there's all this glitter and it's not really glitter. It's like confetti. That was yeah. the thing that I was like, what the fuck guys? Strips this of confetti. silver mylar. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is huge. No one calls that glitter. Yeah. Um, and he goes, <laughs> and, and the director's like, oh, it can't cover the, the, the performer. Like this is art, blah, blah, blah. Someone get this glitter out of here. And that's the first and last time that they ever talk about glitter. And I was like, how? I don't understand. Cause the movie originally was supposed to be called all that glitters. Yeah. Uh, They do a lot of visual transitions though, that either contain sparks of light that are a little bit glittery or flashes of light that allude to glitter in a, in a terrible like late nineties, early two thousands kind of way. Mm-hmm. There's lots of weird editing to this that just so, this, it just so, doesn't make sense. Like it's so the way 2000s. she the way she tries to make up with her friends, uh, because they because they weren't Did in they the go music shopping? video. They, they go, go shopping, shop? but it's yeah. like it's not like a full montage. They just no. step out of a cab with bags, wearing all gold, gold cowboy wearing hat. all gold, but like nothing is explained. They, you don't see them in the stores. Maybe they couldn't get um into the stores to film. Well, what I'm thinking is, I mean, the movie's like an hour and 40 minutes or something like that. And it's like... So long. It's so long. And you think about like, how much did they have to cut to get it to that? Yeah. To me, that's that's what it seems like. Like, there's like tons of... There must be tons of footage on the cutting room floor. But so, you know, after this video, you know, she gets called. She's in, she's in a limo with her publicist who's... These people are crazy. Like, th- there... I've seen movies about quote-unquote 80s publicists yeah right that that like they're actually funny and they're like a per- like this is not you're just like who are these yeah. people they're, like, they're supposed so to bad. be that trope of yeah. the overly doting super opinionated but with bad ideas publicists that yeah are just w- walking around you with a notepad all the time and yeah. kind of yeah. getting up in your face and be like i've got so online one and <laughs> you know it's that trope but it, th- yeah to your point it's it's not funny for some reason. It's not funny at all. And it's, it's, and, 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 you know, for, for being these stereotypes, like there's a, there's a distinct lack of giant blocky cell phones in this movie for being mm. the eighties. But, you know, anyway, so, so she gets called to perform at the USA music awards, which is unclear if it's like the Grammys or something, but it's being shot in New York. So maybe it's like the Tonys, who knows, but she, she goes and American music know, awards, Billboard something music like awards, that. Something. Oh, I guess that makes sense. USA music awards is the yeah. American music awards. Um, 
So she goes and she's she's like, oh, you know, call call Dice and tell him to meet me there. And the publicists are like, yeah, 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 we'll do that. So she gets there and then the publicist is like, oh, you know, he can't make it. He's he's busy doing things. And again, this is one of those things where it's like, was did she make that up so that she would shut up and move on? Did he actually say that? Like, we never find out. We do mm-hmm. see that he's like playing the bongos or playing k- keyboards and having like a jazz jam session back at his place. But it's unclear if anyone ever called him. It's unclear if yeah. that was, you know, cause he was upset that she's, you know, with other people who knows. I think we're <sighs> supposed to make the assumption that his, inc- he's increasingly jealous of the success that she's having and that she is, the the label is making moves to kind of pull her away. Right. Cause if we get to yes. the part where Eric Benet is that no wait oh that's yes. wait is that yeah, part of it's, this it's part of this scene because he's playing piano she's supposed to go on after him in the in the rehearsal as she walks past him he turns around and like gives her this look now eric benet noted sex addict eric benet. yeah uh, yeah who who cheated on holly berry on their wedding night Again, noted giving sex her, addict Eric Benet. Yeah, giving giving this look to Billy's ass as she walks by. I was like, ooh, this did not age well. <laughs> but, you know, so she, and he's like, oh, she, she looks great or whatever. And then it's like, then you cut immediately to the end of the show. Like, yeah. they don't even show the performance. So, like, it's just that people... It's like news reporters standing outside of the venue interviewing celebrities as they leave. Mm-hmm. And Billy comes out. She's wearing like her Marilyn Monroe pink whatever with a first stole. And Dice is there. So I, I guess he, he showed up. But like in an open shirt. Like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's an awards show, right? So. It's. I think it is that Grammys type of fashion where people, yeah. you know, it's not the Oscars. You don't have to wear a tuxedo, but yeah, that was their that was their version of the Britney Justin denim all denim. I wonder if it was yeah. like. I wonder if it was like Whitney and Bobby. Yeah, I mean, because he was kind of a mess, of right? Like he was kind of a. It was supposed to. I think it was supposed to be like you know Adam and I were talking about this and we we're like, it's definitely like she's too good for that. Like she's on a different level than he is. Mm-hmm. Like he can't be classy, and they go to a party. Is that Again, when her friends show up? Her friends showed up. So her friends, Louise and Rock, uh, Louise and Roxanne, they're like at home. They're like, "Oh, Billy's on TV. Billy's on TV. We got to get ready to go to the party." And it's like, I kept thinking they're not going to be let in because they're same, right? Yeah. And so the cut to the next scene, they're walking through the party. I was like, "Oh, wait." So because so, the whole time I'm like. So is the record label trying to keep her away from all of the people in her life or not? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. So, and then he's rude. Dice is rude. Um, They jump out of the limo. Well, 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 first of all, Dice. So, so Eric Benet's character, Raphael, tries to talk to Billy and wants to work with her. Says he wants to work with her. Dice is all like, he just wants to work with you, you know, and is like, no, absolutely not. He tells her to like, get in the car. Like, don't make me make a scene. And then all of them are in the limo with Roxanne and, and, and Louise and Dice is being like, really, he's like, Hey, mouthy. He's like talking to the Puerto Rican girl, um, like calling her mouthy and roach. What do you call her? Roach face or something. And <laughs> it was really, it was like such a turn. And then they get, they're like, stop the limo. 
the two friends get out and they're like, Billy, are you coming? And she like doesn't even look at them and she looks down. She just shuts the limo door. (laughs) But like Mariah's face, I cannot tell what she's thinking ever in this movie. Yeah. I mean, okay. So, so generally speaking from this movie, I actually think that Mariah Carey's acting ability it's not even in the top five things wrong with this movie. Yeah. Well, yes. I, I think like that's Mariah's acting is passable. There's certain parts that, um, yeah, like she wasn't able to, like in this moment, like she's not able to pull together some kind of reaction to tell us like, well, what is your character thinking about in this moment? Are you conflicted about this? Or are you just like, bye, you know, <laughs> like you really can't tell. Um, but yeah, again, like, the bigger issue is there's no story. There's no conflict. When conflicts happen, it's, it's over in like a second. Yeah. And it's never, it doesn't seem to have any ramifications. Yeah. Right. Like she, she loses contact with these two closest friends she's had since childhood at this point. But largely we just kind of move on from those characters. Yeah. Until they're needed again later in the movie. Uh, like an hour into the movie she starts writing like she writes songs for the first time and i'm Mm -hmm. like oh so she has thoughts she like cares about things like you know like oh it she's a sensitive songwriter and um and this is also where they pull back into this idea that something that she carries over some residual issues from losing contact with her mother yeah which you're like I didn't know that was, I mean, obviously it would still bother her, but like this hasn't come up ever before. Yeah. Like there's the one, there's the one instance in the very beginning where, uh, Roxanne says like, Oh, you got your beautiful voice from your mother. And she's like, why would you bring up my mother? Literally that one exchange. Oh yeah. And then fast forward to this point where she's now lost her two best friends And it somehow surfaces that this whole time she's been wondering where her mother is. She can't, there's no record of where her mother is. She sees a homeless woman walking down the street singing that she briefly mistakes for her mother. See, that was unclear. I didn't know that wasn't her mother. What? (laughs) No, I mean, I, I, I don't know. You realize it by the end. Yeah. Well, I asked by the end and it was explained to me that that was just. No, no, no. It's, it's, she sees her kind of obscured through this like cast iron fence. And when the woman emerges from the other side, you realize like, oh wait, that's, that's not Lillian. Oh, well my, what I was focused on at that moment was Billy in the middle of the night or whatever. She leaves that loft she in goes early across 80s the street. New York. Yeah, early 80s way. New York. Like it's it's like there's trash, there's homeless people everywhere. And I was like, where is she going? I thought, well, is she gonna go right or something? And that's the end of the scene. Like, yeah. we don't know, like, because this is like after the fight, and like you're like, oh, what is she gonna go work with like the people that like Dice doesn't want her to? Like, what's gonna happen? And like nothing. 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 She cut to the next scene, different outfit, different hair. She's just walking back into the loft with a bag full of apples. Yes, yes. <laughs> And, and she, so, so this brings us to where like, you know, Terrence Howard is in the apartment. Dice is not there. And he's like, he lets Billy know that, you know, there was this arrangement and Dice hasn't paid me anything and I'm going to hurt you if he doesn't pay me. Right. Yeah. And so, and this is some, okay. So this to me was the biggest potential source for actual storytelling conflict 
in this movie that I did not understand at all, which is that in the beginning of the movie, in order to secure Billy's contract, Dice makes this verbal agreement with Terrence Howard saying $100,000 in exchange for Billy's recording contract with Terrence Howard, you know, being a background singer for Silk. Yeah. They touch upon it briefly in the middle, again, with very little conflict. It's basically like, where's my money? Um, And Dice is like, um, you know, are you, are you hurting for money? Are you starving? And Terrence is like, of course not. He's like, well, and call me when you are basically. Well, and there, I, I wrote here, I was like, what is this beef about? Like, I don't get it. And they're there. And he's just like, he's like, well, oh, so it's like that. They keep saying to each other. Oh, so it's like that now. And I'm yeah, like, it's, it's like the it's, fourth time it's been like that dice. But it's like, it's like the whole time I'm like, why why isn't Dice's character more troubled by this fact? Like, yeah. right? Like he has not told Billy that he has not fulfilled his end of the agreement to Terrence Howard. Yeah. Um, he seemingly has no intention on coming through with that hundred thousand dollars, despite the fact that Billy is now a very successful major label recording is artist. She? I mean, that's the thing. It's like she got she, she got an, a USA Music Award, <laughs> which we we have no idea because we didn't see the ceremony. The only reason we know that they have some money is they're in a limo. No, you know how you? I think you you know that um, you know that she won something because as they're they skip the whole ceremony, but as they're coming out to get into the limo, they have a shot of a newscaster going like, yeah. Blah 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 blah. Big winners tonight for best new artist is blah blah oh. blah blah blah. And that's really the only indication you get of everything oh. that probably just happened in the last three hours yeah, of that award ceremony. Because I'm, I'm like, what? Like, is she successful? Like, uh, I have no idea. Because like, she, it's not like when she goes out into the street, like she's she doesn't have fans. Like, she's yeah. still just like hanging out. Like, she's still living in her boyfriend's industrial loft. Yeah, you know, and it's like still. The, she went shopping herself clothes. for those oh, yeah. eggs. Like what I, I was like, she just went to the bodega and got eggs, which I mean is fine, but it's like, okay. Like I don't yeah. understand any of this. So at this point in the film, we're reaching peak tension. Terrence Howard has broken into Dice's loft to confront Mariah Carey. And be like, yo, your boyfriend owes me $100,000. He promised me $100,000 in exchange for your contract. You're in danger, girl. Billy, you're yeah. in danger, girl. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So she's, and, yeah. And this is like the biggest emotional depth I think we get out of Mariah the whole movie, which is when which... she then has, she has to confront Dice about like, why the fuck didn't you tell me about this? Why... Also, why hasn't there been any indication in this whole movie that you're troubled by this at all, that you're on the hook for this hundred thousand dollars? And she she they get into this fight and then she sits down at the table and puts her head in her hand. Like, and that's that's her pinnacle, that's her like her Oscar submission scene, right? <laughs> she she does this thing constantly where she like she like looks down at the floor, sort of like in a three-quarter, just like tilts her head and just kind of turns it back and forth she's like i don't understand like even when she's not <laughs> saying anything like she just like moves her head back and forth and her eyes go back and forth and you're just like it, this it reminded me of the heartbreaker music video where she fights with herself in the bathroom oh yeah okay like that same level sorry my 
my cat's pooping. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that cool. was the sound. That's his that's his response to Mariah's acting. <laughs> yeah, well, and and so like so she they argue and I couldn't tell like No, this is different than when she actually leaves him, right? Yeah, because after this he gets arrested. She's fully supposed she fully has oh. Okay, so she goes Okay, so she goes to be on the fictional SNL. equivalent of yeah. SNL. Um before she is supposed to go on stage, she's like, "Where's Dice? Did someone call Dice? He should be here." Um he's not there. She gets a phone call backstage before she's supposed to go on. Dice is in jail. He yeah. beat up Terrence Howard. Yeah. Because Terrence Howard confronted his girlfriend about this $100,000 that he rightfully owes to Terrence Howard. Um, Billy drops everything. Yeah. She's, she walks out of this performance on the fictional SNL to go bail him out. And like, he couldn't have just stewed for a little bit in jail. Send your publicist, girl. Literally, you could have gone on stage, performed, and then left, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Done <laughs> no, it right she, after. She decides in her, in her beautiful red dress, she has to go run to jail to bail him out. And this precipitates, you know, this big fight and he kind of calls out like the, the big issue that's been brewing is that, you know, he feels like he was the one that lifted her out of obscurity and, you know, now her star is, is rising, but she would have been nothing without him. She would have still been waiting tables and this, that, and the other, and it all comes out. So again, pinnacle of drama. Well, pinnacle, pinnacle, optical, uh, Pinnacle Oscar submission scene for Mariah Carey. <sighs> Where she slaps him. Um she slaps him, she storms out. Oh, because he said he says he says he says your mother would have been proud or something like that. And she slaps oh, him. Oh yeah. But, so again, our third reference to her mother. Well, what I was gonna say, what was interesting is you just talked about her, Billy, leaving SNL essentially to go bail him out, like before she even goes on, right? Like clearly, like he's more important. In the middle of this fight, she says, I don't care about any of this without you. And again, I'm like, what do you want, girl? Yeah. Like, I, that, do, I don't that's understand. A part of that's interesting for them to like, it's like that show don't tell yeah. idea, right? That they're telling us all of this in the dialogue but to this point, we've never seen this. Like, if you actually told me, like, oh, you know, she's conflicted because she really does want Dice to be with her the whole way. But for whatever reason, she's being lifted up into stardom at, at the exclusion of his presence, right? Yeah. Like, I could see that being a genuine source of conflict that could be a really great story but we're not getting that no until she says it right then like yeah yeah, to your point we really don't know what she's thinking the whole time um you know she breaks up with him and she decides to move back in with debrat and roxanne i I keep switching back and forth between their real names but yeah yeah um she she takes the the cat with her she has the cat again have we seen the cat no no, okay. I wrote I was, here. I was like an hour and 16 in. The cat returns. <laughs> I was like, how old is this cat? It's only been 10 years. So this cat, I think the cat was a kitten. Okay. When she was, um, a foster, when she was fostered and then ostensibly like, yeah, I think she's like between 19 and 21 at this point, 22 maybe. So yeah. if she was like 12 when she was put in the foster system. Yeah. This is like 10 years maybe. 
So well, the cat, the cat has aged accordingly. It's a big cat now. The but cat and I was like, the cat and Debra, I like that. But I don't recall even seeing the cat no. wandering around in any no. of the scenes. No, no. And you will notice you do not ever see the cat again after this. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, they were, they probably would have had an editing continuity nightmare on their hands if they just had a cat wandering around that loft for <laughs> random scenes. <laughs> that cat would just be all over the place. Between like it, t- between like take one and take 160. But but to your point about it being like it's supposed to be a callback to when she left her mom and she was holding on to the kitten, right? So yeah. now she's le- another pivotal moment where she's leaving and she's got this cat again. And it's like it's just so ham handed. Like ham fisted? Ham fisted. It's 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 terrible. Like, it's like, what? So then we're, we're talking about this movie for much longer than I thought we would. But well, so, so, so she's, so she's to, There's a lot to unpack, yeah. but yeah, she, so she, then she collaborates with Eric Benet fictional eric benet right yeah um, and i will i will say that you know mariah you know is most natural in studio scenes like you mm-hmm. know like when she's like when they're shooting like a scene where she's ostensibly in the studio working with someone like and they're going over notes and stuff like she's I, you know you can tell that like this is something she does because like it feels more natural especially mm-hmm. in the in the scene with eric benet like, i didn't under okay so i didn't understand the purpose of that scene in the grand scheme of things, because basically she gets into this fight with dice. They break mm-hmm. up. She moves back in with Roxanne and Debrat. There's this random scene where she's recording with Eric Benet. There's a billboard report, like, you know, about how big she's getting. And then it immediately cuts to the scene where she tries to call dice on the phone. Well, well, wait, so hold on. I feel so like there was, is, big, how, there was a big, there was a big chunk of goes. something missing. Following the breakup, Billy collaborates with several songwriters, including Raphael, with whom she makes another hit single, Want You, and her debut album becomes a massive success. So all of this happens without any explanation. We just see her working with, with Eric Benet. Yeah. We don't see the quote unquote several songwriters. We also never see for an for an artist, for a, for a movie that is ostensibly about the rising stardom of an ingenue, we never see her debut album released. Do you we don't know what the yeah. title of it is? We don't we don't see her running out and signing things. We don't she doesn't do radio interviews, like nothing like that. Like yeah. nothing is on there. But what we do see is that's when Dice is reading the thing in Billboard and it says that she's sold out Madison Square Garden. Her dream. And, her which dream was her dream. That she establishes at the beginning. <laughs> yes. And so that's supposed to signify that she's a big success. However, we as an audience have not seen any of the come up. Like, I, I, right. Like, I don't know. Does she have fans? Like who cares? Like, is she a big star? And we're like, how did she sell out Madison square garden? This movie really needed, like, I would say two like traditional movie montages. Yes. Yes. Of just quick shots where the styling evolves very quickly 
Mm-hmm. You know, newspaper you headlines. See, yeah, newspaper headlines flashing by Mariah walking down the street in a dowdy <laughs> or outfit, like, or walking off Mariah, of a plane. Yeah, cut to yeah. Mariah in a glamorous outfit. You know, yeah. something to just really, you know, really uh, push the point home to viewers. Like there is a transformation. Yeah, she has become here. a superstar. Not just um, Mariah's in the studio with Eric Benet. Uh, Dice is sitting there with a bill, an issue of Billboard magazine. Like it was too subtle. Yeah, and it yeah. didn't make as big of a point of that turning point as I feel like. It yeah, should've. you didn't see that that scene of like everyone in the studio office or in the label office, like toasting with champagne, and Mariah yeah. sitting in a chair looking sort of sad because she can't be completely happy. Yeah, you know, to your point about like how long this movie actually is uh-huh. thinking about it through that lens there's tons of s- entire scenes in this movie that could have just been included in a montage yes. that initial scene where she gets her record deal where they're it's like fully five or six minutes of them walking all the way through the lobby of the office going up to the office talking to the record label executives and then cheersing champagne yeah it could have been like five seconds of lobby of the music offices open the door to the conference room cut to cheersing of champagne yeah and i would have been like perfect got it she and got a, a major spinning, lab, she spinning got a major headline deal. spinning yeah. headline club act signs major record deal or but something instead you know? instead they opt to really draw out these moments that are largely unimportant so billy begins writing a song on her own due to her emotional pain so okay all Dice, these who who wrote this i, I don't know this synopsis is so insightful yeah on wikipedia for this it, movie that picks up on things that i would i don't think you could objectively pull out of the movie itself yeah no you couldn't so billy begins writing a song on her own due to her emotional pain dice also misses billy and also begins to begins writing a song and as this is playing out you can it's like she's they're writing the same song. Billy goes to <laughs> Dice's apartment to reconcile with him, but discovers he is not home. Billy discovers the music he has written and realizes they wrote the same song, <gasps> never too far, and kisses his music sheet. Dice, upon seeing her lipstick prints on the sheet, plans a reconciliation, but as he's walking to her apartment, is shot dead by Terrence Howard. Before playing at Madison Square Garden, a devastated Billy sees the news report of Dice's death and on stage after commands the band to stop playing Loverboy. She tearfully tells the audience not to take the ones they love for granted and then she starts to sing Never Too Far. Afterwards, Billy reads a note Dice had left her where he tells her that he loves her and that he has found her mother Lillian (laughs) living on a farm sober in rural Maryland. Billy's limo takes her to the secluded rural property where she is happily reunited with her mother once again. And this all happens in the time of... In 20 in, in minutes. This, well, no, in, in the movie or in real yeah, life? In the, in the movie, it's like 20 minutes. Or like, yeah. I'm sorry, in real life, it's 20 minutes. And you're like, oh my God, we've been sitting here for so long. Yeah, but in the world of the film, even, it seems like it maybe occurs within... It's the a same few day. days. Yes. Because yes. it all happens very fast that like one. Yeah. She goes to his loft. She kisses the, she kisses the sheet of music that they've written simultaneously. By the way, she's wearing pale pink lipstick. Yes. Her lipstick print is like brown. Fully yeah. Brown. 
I was like, I was like, oh, she doesn't have it. I was like, oh, she's going to kiss the, the paper, but she doesn't have enough lipstick on to leave a mark. And sh- but but surprise, surprise, <laughs> there's a big ass mark on the paper. It went from baby pink to full mocha brown. Um, <laughs> Dice is, it, it, it all happens so fast that like Dice discovers the lip print. Cut to him going to her performance. He gets killed. While Billy is preparing to go on stage, she gets the news that he's been. Oh no, no, no. she she finds she's out... disappeared for some reason. Yeah, but then they. But see it she on the wasn't news. with him. So does it come on the news? It yeah, comes on the news or something. Because the publicist shocked. gets it. So so the publicist gets the phone call, and she's like, "Turn turn on channel nine. So they turn it on, and again in the movie business where you turn on the TV and it happened. You know, They're right, talking about it right, right then. Yeah, right then. And um and right at the good part, and they're like, oh no, you know, because it says that Dice has been shot in the chest, and uh, they're like, oh no, does she know? And they turn around, and she's standing right there because she's been missing for hours. Apparently, yeah, she's been no contemplating her life. No, she's at the beginning of her dream. At the at, you know before she's about to go on at her her dream Madison Square Garden, she's not been there for sound check. She's not been there for rehearsal and makeup, like nothing. She comes in with that little backpack and a leather jacket and she's like heartbroken. But like, I'm like, girl, what are you doing? Diva. I know. Diva I'm antics. Like, what? And like her whole, f- well, let's just hope she shows up. Maybe she'll call. And you're just like, okay. And then, so she goes on and she's wearing that dress. Like, like tits out Mariah. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like a nude it's almost it's like a body like a like a new almost nude color slip dress uh, of the fashion in the early two thousands with like the tiniest spaghetti straps and the you know just barely covering <laughs> her breasts <laughs> and it's like a floor length gown and she's walking out on stage. Meanwhile, the first song is supposed to be Lover Boy, so it's like she, there's these dancers on stage and they're getting ready. And I was like, she was going to be full on dancing, yeah, in, that in gown. this gown where like. You know, I I don't understand. Like, yeah, <laughs> she's clearly. I mean, she's clearly styled for this scene to have like a torch song. Yes, there's clearly never any any um, you know, not even pretense of her. Yeah, <laughs> singing Lover Boy. Yeah, for the for the purposes of this movie, we're led to believe that she would have sang Lover Boy, yes. but clearly that was never the case. I mean, and that's where the end of this movie a lot happens in the last twenty minutes and. It all happens in this magical, implausible way that just further pushes us into the realm of like, I can't believe this is happening. Yes. That I I mean, I was like that when I was like, are they writing the same song? They can't be writing the same yeah. song. What is, I was like, is this some kind of stigmata? Like, mm-hmm. am, are we in the Lindsay Lohan thriller? I know who killed me. Like, you know, <laughs> Because then I, I I fully reached the end of that and I was like, they didn't write the same song. That's impossible. And they did. But they did. But and they then, did. And then it all happened. Like, he gets killed in a very undramatic way. No. It's basically like, hey, Dice, bang, cut. Yeah. You know, he's dead. Um, And then this whole idea that, okay, this all happened in 24, 48 hours and fully on the fly. She has the band play this song that, that she has heard. just written. Mm-hmm. It's like, hit it, boys. 
<laughs> yeah, well, it was, well, I think they, so it was funny because it's like, she, she stopped, she, like, okay, first of all, imagine you were there to see noted dance pop artist Billy Frank, who has not done a ballad, as far as we know, yeah, ever, comes out, stops everything. They say that she tearfully addresses the audience. If you have seen Mariah Carey, like, she's not tearful. I mean, like, she's... <laughs> that that's a stretch um she and she's she just starts singing a cappella this ballad and and one of the things that i thought was really interesting was when, you know when she's writing this song so so if you back up a little bit when when dice is reading the billboard and the billboard magazine and it says like you know billy has sold out madison square garden she starts writing a song and i was like wait is she writing a song to perform at madison square garden like, like, is like, is that like, she's like, oh, I need mm. to write like more music because again, it's not clear that she has an album's worth of material to perform because we've yeah. never seen any of well, it. Well, right? it says she has an album. It, well, it does, but it's, but it's, but again, it's like, we don't know what else she does. And so, so she's writing this, like, as she's humming out these lyrics uh, and the melody and, and, and Dice in on his own is, is like writing a melody that matches. I was like. Is one of the conflicts that she wants to be a balladeer? Like, that, like, she's been doing dance music or whatever, but, like, she really just wants a torch song? Like, she wants to like be, from like, her, like her, her, mother. her mother? Yeah. Well, because that's the thing. I, the, the reason that I don't... I mean, I think when she's writing out the sheet music, she initially calls the song, like, Song for Lillian or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. I, I immediately was like, oh, like... This has nothing to do with her album or with her performance at Madison Square Garden yeah. or with her desires to be a, a torch or a ballad yeah. singer. Yeah. This is us trying to realize that for whatever reason, her breakup with Dice has led her to also somehow think about her mother. Like I was reading something about like there's a potentially a parallel between um, what you see in Dice's erratic behavior and maybe does he have a drinking problem? Yeah. Yeah. And then her relating drunk, it to her right? mother. Yeah. 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 Um, but I didn't make that connection at all. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's unclear. And it's, so it's a song for Lillian. He, he on his paper writes a melody for Billy. Okay. Right. Like it's a, so it's a, Oh, is that what it is? Maybe I'm getting mixed up, but yeah, I just, well, I mean, I don't know if there was a song for Lillian, but I, it's just, I was like, is this another one of her conflicts? And it goes back to the central point that like, we do not know anything about Billy. Like d what does she want out of a career? Like she's never articulated it. Everything's just sort of happened. She's gone with it. Um, you know, midpoint in the movie that we didn't talk about it, but like she and Dice, like as sort of like an example of how like Dice's production was sort of leading her down this path that like the, re that was like at odds with what the record execs wanted. Um, she had written a song called reflections and she's like singing and it's a ballad about her mother. Mm. Right. But like, there's a meeting that Dice has off screen that we never see with the record execs. And, and um, Dice is really upset because he's like, they didn't like any of the music that we did. And she's like, what about my song? And he's like, Oh yeah, that was the one they said was too woe is me. We're not into the woe is me song, blah, blah, blah. The, and so, so I, as I think about it, I'm like, is it like her true passion is writing these torch mm. songs and no one will let her because they want her to be like pop. 
or I mean, like dance. And now that I'm recalling that scene, I actually took that to mean that, yeah, like the label was trying to, you know, get her to conform to this dance aesthetic. Obviously, yeah. like that's why they were scouting in the dance clubs in the beginning of the movie. Uh-huh. And that Dice, but I, th- I thought at that point, like Dice was in her corner. Yeah. I was like, yeah. oh, this this is Dice sticking up for her. But like at the same time, kind of shitting all over her. Like that was yeah. the song they hated the most. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't tell like if he was just like, it, like again with the poor direction and just the way it's written, it's like, is he just repeating this? I mean, because after he says, look, we just do what they want. And then then the next one will have full control. So it, it feels like he's sympathizing. They're both just disappointed. But as far again, as far like this is all being told to Billy, like she's the artist. She wasn't there yeah. at the meeting like she is a bystander in her own life. Um, and, and even with finding her mother, like Dice did it. Because, like, she finds out after she leaves the Madison Square Garden stage, she goes back to her dressing room. Okay, one. Okay, this, this movie is full of unbelievable plot lines, but one of the most unbelievable is that Mariah Carey, playing Billy, is in her dressing room after a concert wearing the same dress that she was wearing at the beginning of the show. And if you have seen a Mariah Carey concert, <laughs> it doesn't matter how long that concert is. Like, I saw her in Vegas. She changed five times. Like, and when she came to, to, to Hawaii and performed, um, for her butterfly tour, it was written up in the newspaper, how she changed four, at least four or five times. And every time she came out on stage, her nail polish on her toes and her fingers matched her new outfit and they couldn't figure out how she did it in 1998. That's so perplexing. Yeah. And they were like, how did she do that? Like, we don't <laughs> like, but that was, I remember like very distinctly them being like, it was more about the costume changes and the divaness than anything else. And so the fact that like at the end of this concert, fulfilling her dream of selling out Madison Square Garden, she is wearing literally the exact same dress that she started the show in. I was like, no, 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 this is, possible. this is a bridge too far. And then she goes, you know, I guess she's reading this this card that Dice has left for her in her dressing room where he's like, oh, I hope we can meet. You know, I'm really glad. I'm sorry I missed you. I'm glad you were there. Um, you know, and, and it's supposed to be very sad. She's reading this in the back of the limo. Well, she's reading this in the back of the limo. She opens the she's, card in her dressing room, right? Yes. But then is reading it in the back of the limo. And like, she's a slow ostensibly reader. on her way home from from the, the, the stage. And she gets to the part where it's like, I found Lillian. She's clean. She's been clean for years and blah, blah, blah. It'll be so great to see your face when you guys reunite. And she's sad. And then like the limo just keeps driving through the night and then all the way to Maryland, all the way to Maryland from New York. And I'm like this poor limo driver. Like, I mean, did he have to get gas? Like what happened? Like, I don't Like, did she, she never, again, she never communicates to him. Like, this is where we need to go. It's also not <laughs> she's clear. Never, she's never like, turn the car around. It no. literally, it's weird because she reads the note. She looks sad. There's a, there's a scene where she's clearly in the back of the car sleeping. Yes. But I think because of the way the shot was cropped or maybe because I wasn't paying close enough attention, I was thinking like, oh, this is like a few days later. I didn't realize that she was wearing the same outfit she's wearing the until same the dress. limo pulls up. And I'm like, wait, is she still in the limo? And yes. then she steps out fully still in the dress. I'm like, oh yes. shit, they drove all night yeah to Maryland. and she never she okay did dice put her mom's address in the card like we'll how does know. she know Was there a page where, two we didn't see no <laughs> did she did she did she at no point does she communicate driver 
let's go to Maryland. You know what I mean? Like, because maybe he needs to, I mean, I don't know. He's getting overtime. Like, I don't know. She she has had no, I mean, does she know this man? Like, I don't know. Yeah. But I she mean, gets out. It was. I, <laughs> she gets out of the limo, like to your point, in the dress. And it's it's awkward because like, they're like on a farm. They're and on a so, farm in the woods. And it's her mother it is, is the most inappropriate June. dress. She's in her torch song dress. Her yes. mother steps out of the house like Technicolor June Cleaver. Oh my god! Like yeah. it was like an orange, like, just like a yellow shirt. Orange. Yeah, with like a red belt and like a denim skirt. And I was like, "Is that Tandy Newton?" Like, <laughs> like even at the beginning, I was like, "Did she get Tandy Newton to play like her mother?" And it's not. But nope. it's 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 um, Valerie Pettiford, and she's a storied actress in her own right. But I, so here's the thing: so she gets out and like she's like. St- <laughs> She's barefoot or she's in like six inch stilettos. I don't know what, but she's walking through the grass and she's like wobbling all over the place. Her tits yeah. are just like, la 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 la. Like yeah. just, and, and uh, so here's the thing. Here's the reason. Okay. Here's actually, the I'm rewatch- Sorry. I'm watching it yeah. now. Not orange June Cleaver. She's wearing an orange headband. I don't know why in my yes. head. It just looks so ridiculously idyllic when she comes running out well, of the house. She looks like she's 20. <laughs> right. Like it's, that is not the dress. That it, like the way she is dressed is not of a mother who is living her sober life on a farm in Maryland. Correct. Like there's nothing about that that you would be like, oh, that's her mom who just came out because it could be like a young woman. Like it's it's because it's it's shot from a distance, so you're like, is she at the right place? Like is that her? But so I'm looking at Mariah. I'm looking at her dress, Billy, and I'm thinking about Mariah's obsession with Marilyn Monroe. Which she has talked okay. about for years. I see it. Um, she bought Marilyn Monroe's piano, famously. So Mar- Marilyn Monroe notoriously performed at JFK's birthday at Madison Square Garden in a nude dress that was so tight she had to be sewn into it. And so she was wearing no undergarments under it, right? And so it's just like her body, her breasts, like all of these things. Mariah, as Billy, steps out of this limo and I'm like... Wait a minute. She's living her That fantasy. is the dress. She's living Marilyn Monroe's fantasy. Her Marilyn Monroe fantasy. <laughs> She's living that fantasy. Fade to black. End of movie. End of movie. <laughs> well, 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 well. They begin playing the beginning of Lead the Way again, which was her sex song. And it's playing as it fades to black over the beginning of the credits after she's met her mother. So again, didn't play a role in the movie. And then like right when it gets to the best part of that song where like Mariah herself has said it's like her best vocal performance. She has this, she holds this note and you're like, how did she get this note? How did she get the breath? I don't know. They cut it off and and not even, <laughs> they just segue into like the Busta Rhymes um I was just like, what is happening? This movie was trash. It was so bad. <laughs> it's it's strange. I mean, we should probably also talk about how like this movie came out. Right? Well, like I mean, yeah. we can talk about that with Loverboy maybe. Yeah, I think that's going going to that's going to become a part of the Loverboy story which we'll hopefully be getting to in the next episode. Um, But, you know, this movie was critically panned. I think it lasted in theaters for about a month. I mean, we'll say that this movie premiered the week of, or the week after September 11th. Well, actually, so 
It premiered two weeks after. However, the soundtrack came out on September, on September 11th. 11th. And yep. so Mariah has said a couple times that like the movie was released on September 11th and like all of this like stopped it. Just to clarify, the movie itself did not. The soundtrack did. And so that yeah. didn't help, but just because I, I was because I was repeating that as well. I was like, oh, but cool. I mean, September 22nd. 2001 is not that far off from September no it's 11. not it's not it's not i'm not i'm not saying i'm not saying that 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 it should have bounced back because they were um, still able i mean they were yeah. still able to stage uh like a red carpet premiere in westwood village here in los angeles mariah carey did show up even though also at the time she had been in and out of hospitals well yeah being treated she, yeah. for exhaustion because what led up to this event was a series of um Rather erratic, outlandish yeah. appearances, erratic behavior on her part that resulted in her being hospitalized for, I think it was like two weeks initially in New York, she mm-hmm. left treatment and then while in LA, checked herself back into UCLA Medical Center for additional treatment, like yeah. shortly before this movie premiered. So, you know, the premiere, the production, everything of it was very fraught. Uh, I think the end result shows that. Yeah. Um, but regardless of all that stuff going on, I don't think that this movie was going to be good at all. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, no, and, it, and, it was, and I think was, we'll get into yeah. this when we talk about the songs and the soundtrack yeah. that came out of this, that sadly, I feel like Mariah Carey's musical career was tarnished more by this movie than by the soundtrack. I think that the yeah. soundtrack in well, retrospect is still a very good album. It was the whole part of her life, right? I mean, like, you know, she was hospitalized and all of that. But, you know, she later talked about, like, while she was hospitalized, she, that was where she got diagnosed with bipolar 2 disorder. Yeah. So I'll get, so, I'll get into that with the lover yeah, boy. Don't yeah. worry. Don't worry. I got it all covered. <laughs> yeah. Um, should we wrap this up? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we got through the whole movie. I think we did. We know that took that. We, we, we could have live recapped that movie with the amount of time we spent unpacking <laughs> everything that happens. But. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's hilarious because it's just, you yeah. know, I, I keep reading that it's like, oh, it's a cult favorite. I'm like, for who? Like, it doesn't yeah, circle no, back. It's, it, it doesn't, doesn't come back around to being no, like, so yeah. bad it's good. Exactly. That's what I was, I was really hoping this would be so bad it was good. Like, that there would be something yeah. of camp or kitsch yeah. to it that we could, yeah. like, be like, yes, this movie. But it's 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 not. It's yeah. Not. I mean, it, it is interesting as we watch it. And, I, you know, having seen it now understanding how this marks the beginning of the second phase of her career. Yeah. Like it, it derailed where she was going. So, so anyway, so to get into that, we're, we're we're just kicking off this big mega Mariah fest we've got going on here. Um, So we're going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, Stay tuned for our next episode where we're going to actually return to music and talk about the post glitter era of Mariah. So, Anyway, we didn't take any breaks. That's terrible. I'm going to have to edit in some breaks. Uh, Special thanks, guys, to Adam Elder for composing our theme music. Songs and videos featured in today's episode will be posted to our website, flopredeemer.com. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. Check us out on social media at flopredeemer on Instagram and Twitter and at facebook.com slash flopredeemer. Email us with all your questions, comments, concerns, corrections. We made a lot of mistakes today, I know. Email us at flopperteamer at gmail.com. And let us know, like, if if 
you absolutely love glitter for whatever reason. I don't can't imagine yeah. why. But I think you can leave us voice if you go to like anchor.fm, like our official like podcast page on Anchor. I think people can record us voice messages. Huh. Try it out. Someone someone leave us a voice message. Do it. We gotta move yeah, on. Well- Jason, we gotta move on. We're running <laughs> we out of time. Do. You All got right. a lot of Mariah to talk about. Goodbye. Oh my God. Bye. <laughs>